Assalamualaikum. Thank you for having me back. I hope all your 26 rooms with all the letters of the alphabet went well, inshallah. I just want to... Good, good, yeah. I just hopefully you had some good guests and if there's anything that is a follow-up, I'd love to hear that as well. Right now, I was actually traveling back from Los Angeles to my home last night and there was a four-hour truck overturned on the grapevine, which is between Los Angeles and... San Francisco, so we doubled back and went home, and then we're on the uh, road again today, so I'm on the road, so forgive me if my connection gets bad, you can jump in if you don't hear me, and um, I'll probably hear you and know that uh, my connection is bad. Um, so I'm on the road and uh, stuck in a little bit of traffic, so I'll try to, inshallah, concentrate, and, and I don't know if there's questions, I actually just... Um, wanted to give a few words about the financial literacy for Muslims talk. I had done that for MCC East Bay, which is called Muslim Community Center East Bay. And uh, East Bay means uh, east, east of San Francisco, uh, east of the SF Bay. And um, I had a f good f positive feedback from that. And one of the main goals of that was to lay down the basics of uh, financial literacy and budgeting for families and not use a lot of jargon, not use a lot of uh, words that people don't know and try to really build the fundamentals uh, for folks to understand, you know, budgeting versus um, saving and then also in a little bit of investing. And, you know, one of the discussions is always, well, should I, should I lease a car or buy a car? You know, and uh, what is a debt? What is a um, asset? Um, and um, those kinds of things are actually in that talk. So we can cover those if people haven't seen it. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned being debt-free. So, inshallah, the, the goal of folks is to accumulate the dunya, dunya as you're able to accumulate the dunya, not go out and accumulate the dunya and uh, chain yourself to uh, debt and to riba. That's something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates. And so we hate it because he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates it. We love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We hate what he hates and we love what he loves, inshallah. So debt is very, very uh, important. And a um, couple of things, just basic things in there in, in investing is there's uh, these things called asset classes. And we're, we're all familiar with many of them because we see them. So real estate is a, is a specific asset class. Um, gold and silver is a specific asset class. And now we have a new asset class called cryptocurrencies, which is very confusing. It's actually an emerging asset class. Um, and then there's stocks and bonds. So the last 400 years of human history have been uh, the development of uh, the asset class of stocks and bonds. Um, and so what we're talking about and the most accessible investments that we have right now are gold and silver asset class or the stocks and bonds asset class. Or the real estate asset class, you know, buying a home and, as a rental and then um, living in your home. And then once that home is paid off, you have this thing called, people talk about passive income. <clears throat> and then the new asset class, it's a crypto. So sometimes we have asset classes that emerge. Um, and so uh, just one of the basic things is that, you know, for the, the knowledge of riba is, you know, we completely stay away from bonds. Bonds are guarantees of money from governments and institutions, and so we'd stay away from bonds. So that eliminates bonds completely from the stocks and bonds category for Muslims. The second um, category is stocks, and we want to stay away from stock. We want to 
there's two categories of stocks. There's income stocks and there's growth stocks. So you have a company like Rivian is going to come out with an electric car. That would be a growth stock because they are about to um, invest and they're about to come up with a new car. And they're not providing income yet. They don't have a lot of cars in the market. They don't have a profit and loss statement. So that's a growth stock. Um, an income stock would be Apple. Apple is um, very established. They earn a lot of income. The stock goes up, but you also get dividends. Um, insurance companies are dividend stocks. Utility companies are very, um, you know, well known as um, as income stocks. Um, and then the there's a little bit of a confusion in the income stocks because some people say that certain income stocks are not halal because the companies have so much debt that they're paying riba all the time, and so that makes a company, you know, either a company that um, has too much debt. Or if a company is investing their, um, if you buy a, a gaming company and you find out that they're spending all their cash and investing all their cash in, and they're an investor in, you know, a pornography company or a liquor company, that can also make a stock not uh, an option for Muslims. Um, so that's just kind of a general uh, background. Um, so we're looking at uh, stocks and real estate. And uh, we're looking at, um, between um, stocks, we're looking at only growth or income stocks that have halal investments in them. So you have to look at the company and say, well, is this company really engaging in something halal or is it engaging in something haram? Does it own a bunch of casinos? So, um, you know, you can maybe buy a stock from the Marriott Group, which is a hotel chain. But if you look closer, you find out that they own a bunch of casinos in Vegas and you know, a significant portion of their income is from that stuff. So then you would not buy a Marriott stock. Um, there are a few uh, Muslim uh, mutual, also mutual funds are uh, a group of stocks. It's almost like a bundle of, instead of getting one donut, you would get, you know, a dozen, 12 mixed donuts. So they put a bunch of stocks together and you buy, a, you buy into a fund and that fund owns 10 or 30 or 40 stocks mixed inside of it. So you can, one of the easy things you can do is you can invest in mutual funds and let the money managers do the thinking for you instead of picking individual stocks. Um, so those, so there's a couple of um, Muslim mutual funds that people should know about. There's one called Amana, A-M-A-N-A, -A -A, Amana Mutual Fund. And there's another one called Wahid Invest. Um, that's a growing fund out of New York City and what those funds are doing, they're actually run by very experienced uh, Muslim managers who are on Wall Street, and they left their Wall Street firms to manage an Islamic uh, fund that has these stocks that we consider, in our religion, we consider them clean uh, because they don't have the debt, and they don't own the casinos, and they don't own the uh, pornography companies or liquor companies. They're kind of they're kind of given a clean belt of bill of health from their Sharia aspect of it. Um, so that's just the general talk. Um, um, budgeting for the family is very important. Uh, the number one rule I would say is that try to live on 80% of your income that you bring home after taxes and try to save 20% of your income. And then once you've got a little bit of a uh, $1,000 saved up or $2,000 saved up in the bank for, you know, miscellaneous expenses that come up, then you start investing. 
you start investing for the long haul and you start investing with a five to 30 year investment horizon because quick money is, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're investing in short, short term stocks, trying to make money quickly, you're probably going to be investing in things that you, where you can lose your money because the risk is higher. So, um, one of the, um, main laws of, of finance is that the more risk you take on, the more reward you require. And, um, the, the higher the risk, the higher the loss, potential loss of your money. Um, so as you invest, you should also be really thinking about uh, what's called a risk appetite. Like, what is my appetite for risk? Am I willing to take on a lot of risk and lose my money? Which, you know, a lot of teenagers now who are in crypto want to do. They're like, oh, I just want to make, uh, I want to put $100 in and I want $500 later, you know, in a month. That's very risky. And then there's the people who are running the families, the parents, they should be more thinking about every time I put in $300, my $300 is secure every month. And then it just accumulates and accumulates and builds and builds. So, you know, you want to invest for the long term and you want to uh, invest in what's called the accumulated uh, conservative manner, not a risky manner, especially if you're responsible for a family and responsible for a budget household. So um, that's just a general overview of the talk. Um, it's called Financial Literacy for Muslims. And in doing that research, I realized that very few states in America have a um, high school, any kind of a high school class that uh, teaches any kind of financial literacy or any kind of budgeting. So that was a surprise to me while I was doing it. I think it was only 17 states even offered an elective curriculum in their schools, which is like a business class. And um, one of the things that I had was when I was in high school in America in ninth grade, I ended up taking an elective called business and accounting and you know uh and what was really interesting was as soon as i took that class i, I said wow i'm really interested in this and it's easy for me to do i like it and and my brain works that matter so i knew back then right away that i would probably end up pursuing some kind of a business degree and i ended up going to college and uh, getting my master's in economics so i'll uh, stop there sister radia and let you take the mic um since I'm driving, people can send you questions. That would be great. And I could try to answer them. And inshallah, as far as time goes, I think maybe we can go till 9 or 9.15. And uh, that would be great. So uh, I'll pass the mic. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> so if anybody would like to come up and ask any questions, feel free to raise your hand and I will bring you up. Uh, otherwise, uh, you're more than welcome to um use the back channel as well inshallah um any questions on anything he's mentioned thus far and if you were able to catch the replay from when he was here previously uh and you have questions about anything that we went over feel free to raise your hand and i will bring you up otherwise again you can utilize the back channel as well inshallah um okay i see something Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it goes to them. Um, okay. Okay. Is it really realistic? Uh, if you can elaborate, is it really realistic about? Are oh, you welcome to come on stage if you are able? Uh, to avoid all interest in this day and age. 
is it really realistic to avoid all interest in this day and age? That's the question. Um, that's a very common question. Yeah, it's, it's uh, very difficult to avoid all interest in this day and age. Every stock, like even my company, I'll give you an example, is a 100-year-old uh, company. For, it's called Pacific Gas Electric Company. And we um, have about $100 million in working cash. That's to pay the bills of the next 10 days. Um, that large, sizable amount of cash is in, a, is, is in Mellon Bank, and we earn interest on that. So when you're buying um, PG&E stock, which is you know pretty much you can we can debate the merits of it but it's a halal stock you know we buy and sell electricity and we serve a lot of customers and um, it's kind of the backbone of the economy it's a safe stock it gives dividends uh, but there is that element of interest that's going to be in there and there's different kinds of um, criteria so Wahid Invest is a company that I mentioned and what they're trying to do is they're trying to uh, have a halal criterion, a Sharia compliant criterion, and they have a few scholars on their board. And uh, the scholars are actually uh, muftis in the financial area. And they look at the stock and they look at its debt to equity ratio. Um, one of the things I heard is that the debt to equity ratio has to be about 30% for debt and 70% equity if a company is going to be uh, halal in the Wahid Invest portfolio. Um, the other thing is they want to make sure that the interest is not a uh, income from their business, but the interest is incidental. So the example that I gave for PG&E is that we don't make money. We don't try to make money like a bank on interest, but we're getting incidental interest because our money is in the bank. So it's not it's not it's not one of our business plans to have interest. That's not how we make decisions, and uh, that's not one of our products. So, um, so Wahid Invest and Amana are good if you're confused. Uh, it is very difficult to, uh, to uh, be completely away from interest. And, you know, that's what Zakat and Sadaqah is for. It's for, uh, our teachers tell us that it's for, um, it's for uh, purifying your wealth. There's a little bit of uh, impurities in it. And so if you pay zakat, pay your zakat, you need to get it out of your hands because it helps purify your uh, wealth, the rest of the wealth that you have. Um, and then on top of that, you can also uh, have a, a percentage rule or whatever you want for a family to give salakah as well. Um, so hopefully that answers the question. Was the connection good? Yes. Sorry, oh. you found that. I was unmuted. <laughs> I'm reading. No, no problem. Uh, there was a follow-up question. A question. I can, um, I can answer that one now, or if that will answer the question, then uh, inshallah we can go to the next one. Okay. Um, are, are Islamic governments today interest-free if they are dealing with countries like America, etc.? Uh, are Islamic governments interest-free? No, they're not. Um, many, many countries, I believe there's only a few that don't have a central bank. Um, and so when they're dealing with the IMF and they're dealing with the World Bank, um, the loans that they take for development, for economic development, are all very conditional. 
lots and lots of conditions on payment and also lots and lots of interest. Um, some of them uh, actually get aid, and even the aid has to be used in a certain way, and, re and uh, uh, there are certain conditions on it, um, or else it hits interest penalties. So whenever you're dealing with bankers, governments are dealing with currencies, currency exchange swaps, um, and international banks of settlements, they have accounts, and all those accounts have interest in them. So I'm not an a expert on geopolitics or anything like that, um, but those are just the general things that I've learned over my years of working, you know, um, and transferring money and uh, just my study of macroeconomics and governmental economics. Um, so, uh, yes, it's, it's not clean. Um, Brother Ais, uh, I'll allow you to go ahead and ask your question, and then I have another back uh, channel question. Assalamualaikum. Oh, alaikum assalam, assalamu alaikum, uh, Sister Riyadh and Brother Azmat. Um, so I was listening to Brother Azmat where he said that the government bonds are are really not Islamic and one shouldn't invest in it. My question is, uh, first of all, just to give uh, background, I'm from India and we don't have Islamic financing. And it's kind of hard to circumvent the banking system, which is completely based out of riba. So my question is, what if I buy a government bonds where they ensure they will invest in infrastructure projects and the interest is less than the inflation. So technically my money is increasing, but the value of money is not increasing. Um, if it has any interest in it, then it's, then it's not allowed. Um, I know uh, you're saying that it's not meeting the cost of living, but you're still earning interest on the bond. So my teachers, you know, this is not a, uh, a, a mufti talk or a religious talk, but my teachers have told me categorically um, to avoid it. Jazakallah, that answers my question. Thank you. Um, so, uh, two questions. Uh, curious about management fees and their impact on halal mutual funds. If you can elaborate on that. Um, yeah, so most mutual funds will um, have some kind of a management fee. It's usually between one and a half and two and a half percent. And what they do is they charge you quarterly. They sweep their fee out of your fund and they do it quarterly. So it's two and a half, one and a half percent to two and a half percent annually. And then they will um, sweep the fee out of your fund quarterly based on your earnings. So if you earn a thousand dollars, make a thousand dollars in that quarter, they're going to take one quarter of one percent out if their fee is one percent, right? So they actually win and get more fees when they do better. So uh, the nice thing about the, the fees is it's not tied to interest. Um, they're actually providing you a service. You know, you could go and do those, um, you run, make a mutual fund of your own as well and not pay any fees. You can go and copy a fund. But they're actively managing the fees. They're actively selling stocks. Like, for instance, if they have Apple in the stock and they realize that Apple's quarterly earnings are going to be bad or there's a scandal coming up, they can, they can sell the stock and make the mutual fund better. But if you are doing it yourself, you won't be on top of it. So, um, so management fees work uh, um, in terms of an annual percentage rate, and they usually sweep the, the fund for... Um, positive gains 
Um, you want the manager to make a percentage because the better he meet, he the manager beats the market, the better uh, the fund does, the better you do, and the better he, uh, they do. And so um, I think uh, that's how it's structured. I don't see any problems with them charging interest. And uh, whenever you do sign up, make sure you really, really read the contract. Um, the fine print is very detailed. Uh, everybody, you know, throws those disclaimers out. Um, but uh, Wells Fargo and all these, uh, every bank has banking services where they do brokerage. And so you have to really, really look into their brokerage and ask those questions. Tell them that you're a Muslim, that you want to stay away from any kind of interest paying any interest or any kind of uh, interest in salaries to the funds and you only want to pay for services received which is banking and management services of, of managing stock. So the other part of the question was would investing directly in some of the exchange traded funds or individual securities listed as part of those funds be a better option? Yeah, so uh, we talked about individual stocks like Apple or Tesla. You know, they're businesses and they're growth stocks and income stocks. Then the next category is when you bundle Apple, Tesla, and Facebook and Amazon and Google together, you know, there's a, uh, a fund called, uh, that's a mutual fund. Um, and so that, that's, that's, a, that's a good way to go. And then the next level of complexity, which is mentioned here, is that uh, it's called an ETF, an exchange-traded fund. So uh, an exchange-traded fund is not as simple as a mutual fund. A mutual fund, like I said, is like if you go buy, you know, one kind of donut as Krispy Kremes, you only have one stock. But if you buy a variety, you have a, a box, a dozen selected different selections. It's kind of bundled together, and you benefit from all 12 of the companies, right? If there are 12 different companies, you'd have... 12 different companies did their incomes, their businesses. So if one company fails, you still have 11 companies that are doing well. So mutual funds are what's called diversified investments, and they're bundled. They're bundled together. So no one should be in actually in any one stock. I don't recommend that at all. Uh, you should be in a bunch of different funds so that if, if a stock goes bad or if there's a scandal, or there's some kind of an accounting error, like Enron had this big accounting problem where the stock went from like hundreds of dollars to zero, then you don't lose all your money. So um, the question actually alludes to the next complex level of complexity, which is exchange traded funds. It's called an ETF. And you can buy a gold ETF, you can buy a silver ETF, and they don't actually have, they can or may not even have any stocks in them. What you're actually investing in is you're investing in um, some kind of a hedge fund or a bet. And what they do then is they look at a bunch of different indices, like let's say there's a gold-silver ETF. They'll take the price of gold and they'll take the price of silver, they'll divide it, they'll add it together and average it and divide it by two. And so what you're basically doing is that your fund grows if the price of silver and gold goes up. It's indexed to the price of silver and gold. There's actually no silver and gold in the fund. It's it's a it's a it's a numbers game, um, and there's different indexes that you can buy. You can buy a natural gas liquidity funds, and you can buy um, a lot of complex items. You can buy commodities such as uh, wheat and copper, 
and a lot of uh, hedge fund managers, they buy these ETFs in order to hedge risk. So if you're a construction company, a billion dollar construction company, you might buy a copper ETF and kind of as an insurance policy so that if the price of copper goes, you can actually, the price will stay down, you'll get a lower price. Um, so commodities traders and uh, Wall Street traders do that. I don't really recommend um, people to do that if they're not so really sophisticated. If you're listening to this talk and learning something, you should not be uh, probably uh, investing in ETFs. You should stay away from exchange-traded funds. Uh, you should be doing the basics of mutual fund investing. Um, and that's what Wahid Invest and these companies are there for you for. Um, but hopefully that answers the question. It can get very sophisticated in terms of hedging. There's a lot of betting going on, which then the more bets you place, it's kind of like gambling, where you're hedging one commodity against another, and it's really just like a, it's like a commodities casino going on. Um, and those guys are very sophisticated uh, uh, betters. And uh, I'll just tell you uh, from my experience that my company bought a... Um, fix for floating swap for natural gas um, in the late 2000s <clears throat> and what we were trying to do is we wanted to keep the price of natural gas low for our customers um, that statement that i had to pay every other day was uh, it was a 12 million dollar hedge and the math on that statement was 37 pages every day so i had to look at this 37 page statement which i didn't understand it was all very, very high-level actuarial math. Um, and what it did was um, uh, protect our company. It was like an insurance hedge. It protected our company from natural gas spikes for our customers to keep the rates, electric and gas rates, low. So uh, very sophisticated. Um, some of these things can have infinite levels of mathematics to them. So you should generally stay away from exchange-traded funds unless you're very sophisticated. So hopefully that answers your question. Oh, subhanAllah. <laughs> oh my goodness, subhanAllah. Um, if anyone else uh, would like to come to the stage to ask their question, feel free to raise your hand and I will bring you up. I do apologize. I had forgotten earlier that I had turned off the hand raising, but it's on. Um, and there was someone that had come in the room and I immediately wanted to come on stage and I was like, uh, we're not doing that yet. <laughs> So anyone uh, that is able to speak or would like to speak, feel free to raise your hand and I'll bring you up. Otherwise, you're more than welcome to utilize the back channel, inshallah. Yeah, so the billionaire, the billionaire Bloomberg, uh, everybody knows Bloomberg News and everything. The reason why he actually started a news channel is because he has a system that all the trading desks use. It's called the Bloomberg Desk. And you have to pay thousands and thousands of dollars for the subscription. And you can go in and price everything. So you can look at the price of milk at a dairy farm in California, and you can uh, decide if you're going to buy it, the milk from the dairy. If you're an ice cream maker, you can decide if you're going to buy milk for this month from a dairy farm in Canada or one in Seattle. So Bloomberg has made his billions of dollars based on this Bloomberg desk. Um, it's so sophisticated now that they actually have such good information that on the TV, you can go and watch Bloomberg News all day. And it's Bloomberg Financial News. And it's, um, it's very interesting to watch it because they actually give you tips on what's happening in the future. So if you're going to be an investor and you want to get sophisticated, 
you might want to stop watching CNN and start watching Bloomberg, uh, Bloomberg News um, and start to like really, if you can get, if you can understand their jargon, you can see, um, you can get some good nuggets there as to what's happening in terms of markets on a daily basis. It's very, very detailed. Sorry, I just wanted to add that uh, aside to the question because the, the trader desks are all uh, Bloomberg news. And uh, where we bought that fix for floating swap on the, um, for my company, the $12 million swap, uh, we did that by buying it off Bloomberg. We ended up seeing it there and buying it, and they actually priced it for us. So, Jazakallah khair. Nice. Alhamdulillah, Brother Omar. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum, Salaam wa rahmatullahi wa And Salaamu alaikum, Brother Mukhtar. It's uh, very beautiful to have you uh, sharing this beautiful wealth of knowledge. We all appreciate it. Did you want to ask a question? Definitely wanted to uh, just provide some clarity. I did think that Brother Mukhtar uh, mentioned the word bet. Uh, us people in finance uh, oftentimes use this word, but this is not equivalent to uh, going uh, off to Vegas and betting. So, for example, if you're using an option or you're running an option, uh, most of the time these options will, um, you can retrieve the exact amount or in some cases you can lose a, f a fraction of what you have, but you never, ever go below negative. So for example there's a term called break even in most cases in investment strategies you do break even so i just wanted to just clarify because we are in muslim audience when the word bet is used it's not like a 50 50 ratio where you're putting money on the horse and you you know you lose all your money if if you you know if, if the bet goes against you that rarely happens in investment you all you have numerous times to get out before losing all your money. So just for the Muslim audience, I, I always love to clarify, and I will go back to the audience on that. Alhamdulillah, And so I think you were trying to provide a clarification about the word bet. Um, and betting can be, you know, like I said, uh, there's an entire risk spectrum, and it varies. And some bets, you know, you can lose your money, all of your money. Um, but in many options, I think what he's referring to is their bets, but you don't lose all your money like a, a zero-sum bet. Which can act. You know, whatever fees you need up front. I think we're getting a little too sophisticated here. Uh, I don't want to take the conversation away from educating people. From, uh, you know, the, the, the goal here is to educate people about the basics and what to watch out for and what to be okay with and give people confidence rather than get to a level which is you know uh too sophisticated so i'd like to keep the questions pretty simple and not talk about options and swaps uh, that's not what we're trying to educate people here on investing because no one's going to be a trader and if you're a trader you shouldn't probably be in this room i'm probably wasting your time and you know more than me so inshallah let's let's keep it at that level so that the audience can be uh you know, that's, that's the point of the room, inshallah. Anyone else that would like to ask any questions, feel free to raise your hand. <clears throat> Excuse me, so that we can bring you up. Otherwise, you're welcome to utilize the back channel. I hope you all are not um, asking your questions directly to uh, uh, as Brother Esmat as he's driving. So um, if you've done that, please uh, forward your questions to me. Because, uh, yeah. 
you know, we, we, we want him to be focused, inshallah. Uh, uh-oh, you break it up. Uh, right now, I'm... Uh-oh, uh, still breaking up a little bit. Am I breaking up? No, th- now you're good. Oh. Uh, I misspoke. Um... Uh, yeah, you're breaking up again. Not, the movie, the... Ah, it's breaking up. Okay, sorry. I'll go on mute. It's your time, Sister Rydia, since I got two bars. Is that better? No, you're you're good now. Okay, yeah, it looks like I got... Uh, I was driving in a one-bar area, but now I'm in two bars. So what I wanted to say was, since the brother... Um, made a comment one of the things i remembered is that i do really do want to recommend the movie the big short um it came out about eight maybe ten years ago jim bale and uh a lot of good actors in it and it really shows four different people who are dealing with the um real estate hedge crisis uh that we experienced in 2008 and 2009 and some of the reasons that was going on um, and one of the problems was that there was too many uh, funds, exchange traded, traded funds and hedge funds that were uh, trying to make money on mortgages and get homes uh, in the hands of people and, and there was too much debt going on. So if you have not seen The Big Short, I really recommend watching that film. Um, it's a real eye-opener and it's good drama. It's also got a good story and they uh, keep it at a basic level so it's it's quite interesting. Alhamdulillah, any other questions, feel free to raise your hand and I will bring you up. Otherwise, you're more than welcome to utilize the back channel. Um, so, you know, uh, we, we want to utilize uh, Brother Esmet as much as possible. If, uh, you know, you're trying to understand and, and get ahead, you know, as it relates to financial literacy. So uh, if you have any questions, uh, now is the time, inshallah. Um now, looking at, you know, my, myself, um, it seems like I'm always in a bind. I'm ro- robbing Peter to pay Paul. And, you know, um, you know, it, it's like ever since we switched over to everything digital, between plastic and digital, it's been very difficult for me to um, to to keep keep my money straight and, and, and know what's going on with my accounts, subhanAllah. Um, any tips or suggestions? Um, you know, I, I was doing fine with cash. <laughs> but uh, any suggestions for anyone that's like me? Yeah, it's, it's actually impossible to budget with plastic. It's really, really difficult. Um, and I cover that in the talk actually quite a bit is that um, cash is a, you know, it's there in front of you. You put half of it in your pocket for rent. You put half of it in your other pocket for uh, expenses. And as it goes down, you can actually see it decrease. And you're like, oh, wow, that was a bad week. I better tighten my belt and really try to make this the rest of this last. And it alters your behavior right away. So if you're buying expensive food and you see, like, you're going to run out of money in the, by the 20th day of the month, you know, you're going to go and start buying cheaper food, you know. It's, a, it's an immediate feedback loop, caches. Um, the credit cards want to remove you from your, uh, from your feedback loop. They want you to continue to spend, and then 
when you're in a bind, then you have to pay them interest, right? And uh, it's very similar. It's like it's it's very similar to uh, uh, what I experienced when I first was a kid, and I, I was kind of taking an econ class or whatever, and I went to uh, Las Vegas with a couple of family members, not to gamble or anything, but we just went to, like I think we went to a casino in Reno or something. And what's really interesting is the first thing they do in the casino is they remove you from your money. They want you to say, well, how many chips do you want? And it's like, okay, uh, I want a, I want a, I want $500 worth of chips. And then they say, oh, well, do you want red chips, blue chips, or white chips, right? So the red chips are $20, and the blue chips are $5, and the white chips are $1. I could be wrong. I hope I don't get corrected here. But I'm just giving an example. And then they give you this, uh, bu- uh, this bucket full of chips. Then you go into the casino. And a few minutes into the experience, what you'll feel like psychologically at a deep down psychological level is that you will feel like you're playing a Monopoly game or a board game or checkers rather than actually playing with money. Because if you were going to lay $20 bills on the table every time from your own pocket, you probably wouldn't gamble very long. But because they remove you from your money, um, they're playing this psychological trick on you because they know that money intrinsically has value and you, you covet it. And so they remove you and they give you these, uh, these bucket of chips. Um, and so uh, that's what the credit card companies are doing. They're actually trying to remove you from cash I say, you know what, it's too risky to carry cash. You can lose, you can lose your wallet or whatever. Uh, use our credit card and go into Target and you know, buy stuff. And then when you run the stuff, you're always going to be over budget. You're always going to be because the plastic doesn't give you a feedback loop. And then you don't know what you owe. You don't know how much you bought and how much you owe until the end of the month after they've added all the interest to it. So... Um, it's really plastic is a trick. It's removing you from the thing that you covet. And uh, so I would say that if you want a budget, you really, really have to stick with cash. Do the extra, do the extra work of going to the teller machine, take out $200 for your groceries, make a list. Um, don't go to the grocery store when you're fasting, you know, around iftar time. You know, those are all good rules of thumb because if you're, if you're, if, you're, if you put yourself in those um, difficult situations, you're not going to be able to budget. Um, and also plan your food out for the entire week uh, based on your budget so that you're, like, you're not eating emotionally. You're not saying, oh, well, I want steak tonight. You're like, okay, Thursday is you know, ramen day or, or we're going to make chow mein or whatever like that. So, um, so plastic is very, very difficult. Eventually, they'd love to remove all cash from society. They're already uh, on the way to doing that. Um, Everybody is uh, using now electronic COVID now. You know, people are, a lot of businesses of Phil's Coffee will not even take cash. So you're not even allowed to use cash in a certain extent. Um, And I've seen that with COVID has accelerated that as well. So uh, hold on to your cash, use your cash. Um, And uh, one of the things is like, you have to live the life that you need to live. Not the, not, not the life they want you to live. The life they want you to live is a life of servitude and debt and making them rich. Um, they don't fly private jets and, and eat on yachts for no reason. 
they do that because they're taking other people's money. Um, so don't give them your money, inshallah. Be wise. Inshallah. Anyone else that would like to ask any questions, feel free to raise your hand and I will bring you up. Or um, if you're unable to speak or you've got background noise, uh, feel free to utilize the back channel. Um, uh, one question that just came, <clears throat> what is your view on taking student loans? Um, so there's a couple of, you know, we're always talking about the mortgage, the car, and the student loans. Um, there's actually really no way around it. Um, but you have to understand that you're doing something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates, right? So you're, you're, they've done studies on this, is that getting a college degree, uh, not getting a college degree ensures by 40%, you have a 40% greater chance of living below the poverty line if you don't get a bachelor's degree, right? And I'm not knocking the entrepreneurs out there, the self-taught people. There's a lot of things you can do, but having that certification of a bachelor's degree statistically in America means that people who don't have it have a 40% greater chance of, of, of be, living below the poverty line. Um, and so getting a bachelor's degree is very, very important. Now, the problem is, is that uh, schools are also marketed, you know. Do you need that degree from Stanford, that environmental degree from Stanford, when you could get a, uh, a um, engineering degree from Cal State East Bay? You know, do you need to pay uh, that much more? So the difference in uh, uh, Cal State East Bay is about $5,200 for tuition for the year uh, if you take a base load. But Stanford will charge you in excess of you know, $40,000 a year. And the University of California charges about $19,000 to $19,000 per school year. So you have UC, you have uh, University of California at 19, you have Cal State at 6,000, and you have Stanford at 40,000. All three of those will give you a bachelor's degree, right? Um, and so if you are conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you want to do the student loan path, then you have to put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say, well, I'm still going to get my risk from getting my degree at Cal State East Bay, and I don't have to go to Stanford. Now, Stanford will call you and say, well, you know what? You'll make way more money if you come through Stanford. But they're not in charge of your risk. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in charge of your risk. If he's pleased with you, he'll give you that job, and you'll have a lot less debt. So, um, so uh, of course, so student debt is... You know, if it's needed, it's needed. I actually recommend that you even take a job because then you're showing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, look, I'm trying to minimize all the debt and I'd rather go through school slowly uh, and get my degree while working and building my resume and also paying off my school with my pocket money. Um, that tends to be, uh, you know, uh, in terms of our dean, that tends to be the better path. As opposed to, I know kids that they go ahead and get the $100,000 uh, student loan, but then they're flying back home every, uh, you know, third weekend or every holiday. And, you know, what are they living on? What are they paying the airlines with? They're paying the airlines with their student loans. They're racking them up. So they're not really trying to be uh, very small with their student loans. They're just going for it. And so everybody has their own battle. But I suggest that uh, people to take this, 
get the best degree you can with the minimal amount of, uh, of, of tuition that you pay and work through college, work through school. Um, and as a hiring manager, you know, if I have some kid who comes to me and has this awesome Stanford degree and he's been in school for four years and I have this other kid who took five or six years and he's done two or three different jobs, I tend to uh, hire the other guy. That's just my thing uh, because someone's had work experience. They've been grinding. You know, they know how to uh, take one in the chin while they've had to go to school. And so I tend to uh, look at that person, the work experience who worked through school with a higher level of respect. And um, uh, that's what I do as a hiring manager. Inshallah, you know, hopefully I'm giving back. So uh, hopefully that answers a question about student loans. Anyone else with any questions, feel free to raise your hand and I will bring you up. Otherwise, once again, you're more than welcome to utilize the back channel. Um, okay, here's a question. Uh, what is the best way to invest with little risk and will uh, earn you more? Yeah, so um, the, 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 the conservative investor uh, there's a lot of very conservative funds out there. Um, and what they really focus on doing is they focus on two things. One is investing in solid companies. They call those, they usually call those large cap funds. So large cap means um, they're big, big companies. So when you take the stocks and you take the value of the stocks, they have, a, they have what this, what's called a billion dollars, billion dollar market cap. Right? So Apple is a large cap company. It's a trillion dollar company. Uh, my company, PG&E, is, a, is, a, uh, tr is not a trillion dollar company, but it's a, it, we do $17 billion of revenue a year. Right? So these are large cap companies. So FANG, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, these are all large cap stocks. So they tend to be very um, uh, high value. And they tend to, be, they tend to uh, keep their value. And they also tend to have good growth upside. Um, and um, they're, they're conservative, right? But they're in the tech industry. So if you look up large cap funds, conservative large cap funds, you'll get a bunch of different ideas. And you should invest in those. And what you do is, um, I'll give you an example. If you buy a $50 stock in a utility, every year the stock becomes, they give you $2 dividend. So your 50 becomes 52. And then the two goes into the next year. And then so your 52 gets invested and you get 55. Then 55 gets invested, you get 59. And each year you're adding 52 plus 55 plus 59 plus 60 plus 70. And that's what's called compounding. So each, each year you're just adding money to the pot, but that money is also growing. It's called compounding, compounding growth. Uh, we don't want compounding interest, but we want compounding growth. So um, if you want to invest in conservative funds, look for uh, large, cap, uh, large cap growth funds. And you can Google those. Um, companies I recommend is Vanguard funds have those. Fidelity funds have those. And if you look at the financial literacy for Muslims talk, there's a second part which is called saving and investing. And I show you, I don't just do the talk, I actually show you how to look up the ticker symbols and go and click and see those Vanguard funds and what's in there. Um, one of the things you might want to do is buy a real estate fund. So uh, there's a real estate fund that is 
investing in old folks' homes. They kind of have this niche where they buy real estate, but they buy real estate that are like uh, old folks' homes, hospitals, hospice care facilities. Those tend to be kind of growing because our, our population is aging. And some people are really com comfortable with investing in a real estate fund because they know that the fund is buying properties. Um, the one downside of a real estate fund is it might not be Sharia compliant because real estate is usually leveraged with a lot of debt. So those are all the things that, you know, I'm trying to talk about today that, you know, kind of help us understand uh, what to do. So there are, there are these things called real estate funds. There's utility funds. Um, there's large cap conservative funds. So that's where you would look to if you want to invest without losing your money and still make decent gains, inshallah. And the 50, 55, 10, and three-year track records are on every fund. So you can look at the fund and say, oh, this fund has given about a 10-year growth over the last 10% growth over the last five years. It's a good fund. So my money is actually safe, but it's also going to grow. So you can compare the funds on their performance. So I see a, a hand raised. Um, and I don't have any back channel questions. So if you want to go to the next one, that'd be great. Okay. Um, actually, I think there's a glitch because, um, oh no, here we go. I'm doing that. Assalamualaikum. Waalaikum salam. Okay, so my name is Sophia. Um, so I'd like to ask about um, mortgages, right, for Muslims you know in, in the west so can you please explain like so there's a few there's a few services out there um it's also covered in the youtube talk as this question comes up all the time is how do i avoid how do i buy a house without getting a interest-based mortgage and there's a few funds out there uh one is uh um, guidance financial if you look them up in the united states they provide a um Sharia compliant contract, which doesn't have riba built into it. Um, and there's a few others that you can also look up. You have to look up uh, Sharia compliant home mortgages. And um, there's a couple of folks out there. So, you know, you have to look at the different reputations. Some of them are critiqued by other groups because they're competing with them. So there's a little bit of dirty politics in there where uh, uh, some of the funds are, you know, uh, actually advertising negatively against the other fund um, but guidance financial is a good fund and I've heard good things about it um, they're not mortgage-based they're not interest-based and the way they work is uh, kind of a mouthful but I'll say it just for the record here is there they're, they're what's called a declining balance co-ownership co buyback program so what a Sharia loan mortgage loan is in, in, in actually descriptive, descriptive terms is a declining balance co-ownership buyback program. So you buy the house for, you put $100,000 down, the bank puts $500,000 down, or the, the guidance puts $500,000 down. So you're a one-fifth owner. You're a one-sixth owner, sorry, in my example. You co-own the house, and every month you pay a fee, which is a rental fee, because you're living there, you give a return to guidance, and then you pay extra, so you buy back an extra, let's say in this example, you pay 500 extra every month, so that over the course of 20 years, you buy back your house, and then you're the majority owner, and and the, um, 
guidance is out of the out of the home. They don't co-own it with you anymore. So that is the way to get away from mortgages uh, and do it. Excellent question and reply. Uh, another question. Um, how will you know which investment companies has interest and is haram? Um, you mean, in the, I, I assume they're talking about uh, individual stocks? I'm not, I'm not sure. So uh. mo- most, of us, most of us in this room, unless we're uh, Sharia, uh, we're, we're a financial, uh, Islamic financial mufti. A mufti is someone who is an alim, but beyond an alim, they can actually derive decisions and make rulings. Kind of like a, not a lawyer, but a judge. Uh, that's a mufti. And so most of us are not that. So if you really, really want to be scrupulous about the stocks you invest in, then you should probably go with Amana Funds or Wahid Invest. And um, if you go on their website, you will see that they have a, uh, a, Sharia, a Sharia board of scholars. Alhamdulillah, Barakafiq. No, I'm just... So anyone else? Yes, for sure. I, uh, yeah, I, I was familiar with him. I'm doing well, doing well. I just wanted to ask the brother real quick, so um, brother Asmat, um, I wanted to ask, what is your, do you have rental properties? Are you invested in real estate? And um, just wanted to get some insight on that as, a, as an investment option. Do you, uh, do you dabble in that? Yeah, so uh, the, ra- the reason why I got started is my father moved to Saudi Arabia and he, I told the story in the other talk, but he handed me, I was coming to America for college. He was working overseas in Saudi Arabia for an American company and he said, look, I'm not going back to the rat race in the States. I'm going to keep working here in Saudi Arabia until I retire and you have to manage my property. You have to manage the home that you were a kid in when you were little. And uh, he handed me the mortgage papers. I didn't know anything about it. He handed me all those uh, mortgage payment coupons and insurance coupons and a bunch of yellow envelopes. And I was like, oh my God, you know, I got thrust into this. Um, And so the first thing I did was before I even uh, managed any of my own finances was have to like collect rent for my dad. And I actually hated it. I hated it because um, the tenant who was living there, he lost his job. He had a he had a business and he was making a lot of money. He bought a bunch of trucks. He bought his kids' cars and he had them in private high schools. And he lost his job. And then he just called me and he said, look, I've been raising my children in this home and I can't pay you rent. You know, I was just like torn between my father who needed income and this tenant guy who I'd been talking to for many years. So, um, so the real estate business is a very uh, tough business. Um, the advantage of the real estate business is that it's very tangible. Stocks can go to zero. A $100 stock can actually go to zero. But a property can go, you know, it can lose 10% or 20% of value, but it's, it's brick and mortar. It's always there. The land is there and the value is always there and someone will always buy it. Um, the other advantage of stock is you can sell stock in a day, but a property you have to, you have to buy, hire a real estate agent. It usually takes 45 to 50 days to close on a property. Um, and then, uh, so there's advantages and disadvantages of real estate investing and some people love it. 
Uh, if you watch the Rich Dad Poor Dad channel, uh, it's, uh, I can't, Robert Koyazaki or something like that. It's called Rich Dad Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's really, really good. Him and his wife are multi, multi-millionaires from real estate investing. Um, I actually got away from that. I'm much more, I'm an economist. Um, I'm much more into a stock. I have my own startup that I'm doing, a side gig that I've been doing for a few years. Um, and I've been helping people consult with different businesses since, uh, for a long time. And so I'm much more of a stock, uh, company guy. Um, and, um, there's two gurus out there. There's the income investor, the legendary income investor, which is Warren Buffett. And then there's the new kind of investor uh, who's taking a beating right now. Her name is Kathy Wood, and she's an innovation fund investor. So there's different flavors of investing. Some are riskier and some are not. Um, so I, your, to answer your question is uh, I, I still uh, manage my father's uh, few real estate houses that he has, um, and I don't enjoy doing it. Uh, for, but for myself, I manage uh, my 401k. Understood, understood. So, is it, have you went through the process? Any, you said it's kind of passed down from the father, So, have you, either personally with home ownership, have you ever went through the process of purchasing a home? Did you buy it straight out? Um, I know you said earlier that you've heard good things about um, a particular Islamic financing company, but have you personally? went through the process with an Islamic financing company and what was your experience like if so? Oh yeah, so I bought my home on a traditional mortgage when I wasn't uh, that conscious of my deen and religion. And as I grew and learned and took on more teachers, my wife and I made a decision. It's like, look, we're gonna buy this home and we're going to try to get out of this interest loan. Um, and we researched it. We ended up finding a bank uh, that a friend of mine had. It was called La Riba, L-A-R-I-B-A, La Riba, No Riba. Um, and it was uh, funded by the Bank of Whittier. So a lot of people got in my ear. They're like, oh, it's Bank of Whittier. It's the same thing. Uh, half, one dozen, half dozen of the other. They're all the same thing, you know? And I was like, no, let me look at this thing. So I looked at their contract and um, I saw that it was a declining balance co-ownership program. And I did my own spreadsheet on how the numbers work. I negotiated with them. And I ended up taking the loan from them and paying off my Washington Mutual loan. Um, and I will tell you that um, since that day, I have experienced many, many more times Baraka in my life than I had before. Uh, because I made the intention to please Allah. Now, the contract might not have been the best contract. A lot of people complain that it, was a, it wasn't a great bank and, oh, it's just, you know, they're just hiding the interest in another part of the box uh, and it's just a thing. But I will tell you that, you know, we believe in our deen that actions are by, uh, by intentions and I did not sign a RIBA contract when I signed it with them. Um, and so... Um, I did that for myself. I'm paying that off, alhamdulillah. I'm very close to paying it off. May Allah give me barakah to do that. Mm -hmm. And 